Okay, welcome to another edition of I Communicate. I'm your host, Mark Altman, and um, started Mindset Go a few years ago to help people become more confident and effective communicators. And I have to tell you, the longer I do this, the more I realize how in-depth of a challenge it is to be an effective communicator. And, you know, a lot of times when you think of being confident and effective at communication, one of the fundamental things we miss is motivation and influence. And such a big primary part of what we do when we're in a leadership position, when we're selling a product or a service, when we're a parent, when we're coaching individuals in sports, is we're motivating and influence people, motivating and influencing people to act a certain way. And when it comes to the concept of reading between the lines, and this is our third of three installments in this series, it's very difficult when it comes to reading between the lines with feedback and leadership. And the first show we did was on client retention and what do you do to strengthen relationships with clients so you're not salvaging them or trying to save them or figuring out why you lost them? And we talked about different messages you can do proactively to communicate with clients, to read between the lines, to see how satisfied and how much they appreciate your work they really, they really do and are. Last week, we did a show on reading between the lines relating to sales and what are the messages we see in sales related to body language, you know, which is the same for leadership as well. You know, when, when people exhibit certain aspects of body language, what do we notice? We talked about it as far as written communication. So what are the different aspects we hear with written communication regarding word choice and tone? And we talked about reading between the lines when it comes to listening. And what I mean by that is listening between the lines is listening to someone and not just hearing them, being present being mindful, listening to understand, and uh, looking for the hidden words and the hidden things they're saying to understand the ultimate message they're trying to communicate. And today, in our third installment, we're going to talk about feedback. And before we get too far into it, it's really important to understand that the first aspect, you know, usually when companies ask me to work with them on feedback, it's about giving feedback and the most effective way to give it. But see, such an important aspect of feedback is not only knowing how to give it, but also knowing how to receive it, interpret it, and also knowing how to initiate it, getting people comfortable to give you feedback and tell you the truth, right? And making it a safe place, safe psychological safety that they feel to tell you the truth. And that's quite an undertaking as a leader, right? And so to get someone comfortable enough to tell you the truth is an art form in itself, never mind receiving feedback. So one of the things I was thinking about is I'm working with a lot of companies right now on 360s. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the 360, it is when the uh, person who typically is being reviewed gets to be the reviewer. So a team may get to review their boss or peers get to review um, 
their feedback of you and your performance. And there's a short, simple version of a 360 feedback called Start, Stop, Improve, Continue. And I really like that version because it allows people to give simple answers. Well, it allows people to give answers to simple questions. And it goes something like this. Question number one is, what are some behaviors that you would like me to start doing? What are some behaviors you would like me to stop doing? What are some behaviors you would like me to continue doing? And what are some behaviors that I'm already doing you would like me to improve? And we've talked about this on past episodes of the show, but what's different today is we're going to talk about how to read between the lines when you're reviewing feedback. So when someone is reviewing you, and you're the boss, or you're the parent, or you're the coach, so number one is, how do you create that culture of safety where someone knows they can share with you some feedback things that they would recommend you stop doing, improve on, or start doing without a fear of repercussion, being judged, consequences, so on and so forth. That's an art form in itself. But let's assume for the purpose of today's show, you have successfully achieved that, and you have created that psychological safety for people to give you open and honest feedback. So what typically happens in a case where people are reviewing, feed, receiving feedback, and why I like the start, stop, improve, continue activity so much, is because in these situations, you tend to pay most attention to the constructive feedback, sometimes called the negative feedback. But we don't pay a lot of attention to the positive feedback, and we're not slowing down enough to see the messages we can learn from positive feedback in the same way we can learn from negative feedback. And let me give you a couple of examples of a client I'm working with right now. So this client, the feedback she got from her team was that she is, her responsiveness, and this is exact words that were used, her responsiveness is impeccable. And the amount of calls she, she receives on a day and how often and quickly she returns emails that she receives, it blows the person's mind how this boss keeps up with it all and seems to get back to everyone in a timely manner. So what a rave review that is, right? Like what could you possibly glean from that when someone talks about your responsiveness, how it blows a person's mind, how you get it all done, and how you're able to have your actions equal your words, and wow. So I asked this client, I said, you know, what's, what's some hidden messages? If you read between the lines, what's some hidden messages? And she thought about it, and she said, well, they might think I have unreasonable standards and expectations of them because they see how much I value responsiveness. I'm like, that's true. She talked about how they might feel the pressure to work the same amount of hours that I'm doing. That's true. So when someone gives you a compliment and you're reading between the lines and understanding the different aspects of the compliment, it could be that someone who works for you does value a certain trait or quality that you have, but it could be that that trait or quality sets an expectation or a perceived unreasonable expectation. It could be that 
there's a standard of an amount of hours you expect them to work and all these hidden things that you're not necessarily trying to communicate at all. But see, that's just it. A lot of times in communication, people perceive an expectation that doesn't exist because there's a certain behavior being modeled or the certain behavior being interpreted. So you may have never asked that. You may have never demanded that or set that expectation. But if that's how they're interpreting your behavior, they may have, been, they may have put that expectation upon themselves. Now you may ask, well, man, I can't win, right? So even when you do something well, there's still a negative. And that's not the message I'm giving at all. I'm just saying that if you can have the self-awareness and be mindful enough to know that people, you may be, because of your core values and things that you really value as a communicator and as a leader, those kinds of things could be putting in expectation or creating some stress or anxiety on another person. So what do you do about it, right? Well, here's what you do about it. This is why I tell everybody that I work with and executive director level leaders, this is why I'm not a fan of the phrase leading by example. Because when you're modeling behavior, as I've said in the past, people don't always know the intention or the goal or they pay it or they even pay attention enough to know the example you're trying to set in the first place. So I told this leader, I said, this is a great topic of conversation. And as it turned out, many of the people that she um, sought out feedback from gave her this feedback about being so responsive and how much they valued that. So I said to this person, I said, here's what you do. You share your thought process and why you value being so responsive, that it's more about you than necessarily setting an expectation about someone else. And so I told her, and we talked through it, and she said, well, part of it is, it's my work ethic. I wouldn't ask someone to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. So the example she's trying to set there is, she doesn't expect you to be working at all hours of the night. She doesn't expect you to return emails, every email you get in five minutes. But on the flip side, she is trying to set the example that she wants to see you to see as a team member how hard, you, how hard she works and that she is willing to do the little things to be successful, which is a great example to set. The second thing we talked about is when you have core values around supporting people and being responsive, then typically if you take care of your people internally, they'll take care of your clients and prospects and people in other departments externally. And what's great about that is that is the absolute culture you're striving for is internal service leading to external service. So that's another piece of culture she's trying to model and create that her team may not be aware of what her motive is behind it. And then the third is the actual expectations themselves. And that she doesn't, she's not measuring an amount of hours per se. She's trying to model commitment in a mentality of service. So this is the thing is that a lot of times I see leaders going into meetings and coaching sessions and they wait for the, the team member to come up with ideas of what to talk about. But when we come back from our first break, I will give you an example on how to use valuable feedback and information like that 
and incorporate it into a co- coaching session. So for Mark Altman, I, this is I Communicate. We'll be right back. Communicate. We'll be right back. Communi- okay, so we were just talking about leading by example and the example of getting really positive feedback and being responsive. So what I said to this leader is, I said to her that next time you meet with your team and or have one-on-ones where this would be shared with you, because by the way, these 360s and this start-stop-continue-improve activity can be anonymous or it can not be anonymous. But I said, regardless, if someone feels comfortable enough to share that feedback with you or you want to proactively discuss it with your team, what a great concept for coaching and meeting by sharing your secret sauce, your thought process around certain qualities and characteristics that you consciously lead by example, the outcomes you seek, the goals for modeling this behavior. I mean, that's leadership, not 101, that's probably leadership 202 or 303, or 201 or 301, no matter how you slice it, to really just understand, let people understand what your thought process is instead of risking a faulty interpretation or an assumption. So this is what I mean about reading between the lines. Now here's another example where one of the pieces of feedback this person received was, I sometimes feel bad because she seems to work around the clock and makes everyone happy to make everyone happy and stay on top of everything. So wonderful. Again, great quality. I mean, this person's so dedicated to her team that they're not going to stop working until everybody's happy and everyone feels taken care of and serviced. Well, what's the read between the lines around that? Well, here's the read between the lines. If you give off the aura that you are running a million miles an hour and you're super busy and you're a little rattled, then you may not be approachable. Because certain people on your team, no matter how open and honest you've created the culture of communication, people don't want to be a burden. They like you so much, they see how much you want to take care of them. They don't want to be a burden for you. Well, that's a problem. Right? Because if they don't want to be a burden for you, then you could be missing valuable pieces of information that allow you to coach, motivate, and inspire, and develop that particular team member. So I talked to my client. I said, look, here's a couple of things you can consider when you're in a situation like this. Right? What you want to understand is, when someone gives you feedback that is intended to be kind and positive and supportive, and you're reading between the lines and you see those words, I sometimes feel bad, hmm, I don't want you to feel bad. That's not my intention. Start being curious as to what the consequences of that person feeling bad are. And if I was having a one-on-one with that person, I might say, hey, just for kicks, have you ever had a situation where there was something you wanted to talk to me about? but you opted not to because you didn't want to add stress or you knew how busy I was. Well, the question itself is an important and curious question, but the challenge with the question is that person has to feel comfortable answering it, which I spoke of in our first segment. But again, let's assume they do. Well, so if they do 
And they say, well, yeah, there are some situations where I probably don't burden you. Well, then the next question is, well, I know you do feel comfortable talking to me about some things. So what are the differences in the situations where you do feel comfortable sending me those emails and making those calls as opposed to the times you don't? Now, listeners, think about the question I'm asking. The question is, nothing is always or never. So there are certain times they do do it, and there are certain times they don't do it. What's the difference? That's going to tell you so much. Because if your team member can articulate, well, you know what, in these situations, and then they list an example or two, I don't feel comfortable Instead of this leader feeling like I have to overcompensate and I don't want people to worry, she now gets to the root cause about the criteria or the situations that lead this person to make the decision to not be a burden and to not share the feedback. So now, this leader takes, I sometimes feel bad, tries to understand when are the times you don't feel bad, when are the times you do feel bad? And how can we fix the situations when you do feel bad so I better understand what is creating those fears for you? And then my client made such a great point in this moment. She said, well, the other benefit to what you're teaching me is that you're teaching critical thinking. And a lot of times people, when they don't feel like, it's a, when they, don't feel like they want to burden you, they struggle with prioritization. And they struggle with urgency. So a lot of the times when a person may not take the step, it may be because they're making an assumption on what's important, what's urgent, and what isn't. And in some cases, they very well may be right and may have made good decisions. But when you open the door to understand someone's critical thinking process, right, by discerning between why they would be likely to to reach out and why they wouldn't, You're also helping model and shape that critical thinking process if it's inconsistent with the approach you want them to take. So it's really powerful stuff that when you're receiving positive feedback and you see something like, I sometimes feel bad, and then you get showered with a whole bunch of compliments, don't just pat yourself on the back and thank the person for the compliment. Read between the lines and understand why they took the time to share the fact that they sometimes feel bad. They may want you to address that. They may want you to ask them about that. They may want you to come up with a better critical thinking process around that. So, reading between the lines when it comes to feedback, like I said, step one is creating the psychological safety for people to feel like they can be assertive enough. Step two is actually what can they expect in return from taking the risk, from having the confidence and courage to share that feedback? Well, one thing is validation, acknowledgement, you know, thanking the person for the feedback, sharing with them what you're going to do with the feedback, how it's going to shape their relationship with you and the rest of the team, and whether you agree with the feedback or not. Validating it 
is important. You know, saying something like, you know, I didn't realize you felt this way. Thank you for letting me know. It's something we can talk through. Well, that doesn't mean you did something wrong. That just means you're acknowledging their interpretation of your behavior. Making a comment like, when someone mis- when, when you think someone's misinterpreting your email, and then you talk with them about it, and they bring it up to you, and you say, you know what, I can see how you felt that way. That wasn't my intention. Well, again, that's validation. You're acknowledging that you can understand why they reacted the way they did. Whether it was purposeful, intentional, or whatever, you can understand. That's a critical comment. So that's step two. And then step three is reading between the lines, reading the positive feedback, seeing the behavior you're modeling and leading with, understanding the impact that they may, that may be having, even if it's not your intention, and asking questions in a coaching session with a team member, in a group meeting with an entire team, to remove communication ambiguity, provide some clarity on things that may be misinterpreted. So those are all such critical aspects, you know, of effective leadership. And when we come back for our next segment, we're going to talk about um, a couple more ideas around reading between the lines, and then we're going to go the other direction, what to do with constructive or negative, perceived negative feedback. So this is Mark Altman for iCommunicate. We'll be right back. Kate, we'll be Okay, welcome back to iCommunicate, and we've been talking about reading between the lines related to feedback, positive feedback, constructive feedback, 360 reviews, start, stop, improve, continue, you name it. And so I want to give an example of something that, that I think is a bit ambiguous. So first we talked about some positive situations, and before we get to constructive, I thought it would be valuable to talk about some ambiguous feedback. So when the question was asked, in this scenario, what am I doing that you would like me to start? The person said, more information would be good. When the question was asked, what am I doing that you would like me to improve? The person wrote, communication is always key. Now it just so happens that the person who gave this feedback isn't even a direct report to the leader I'm working with. So she was a little confused that they barely have interaction to begin with. The one piece of interaction they have, not consistently, but more often than not, is a group communication where she is speaking to this individual and her teammates. So my client's reaction when she read this feedback is, I don't understand this. I mean, I make such a great effort to be so available and communicative with everybody. I don't understand. So when you get feedback, there's lots of ways you can process the feedback, right? You can internalize it and make yourself feel bad and beat yourself up. You can be angry at the person for making it seem like, well, clearly they're the one with the problem because no one else gives me this feedback, right? Right? Or you can, as we keep saying, be curious 
and, under, and, and, and try to understand why this feedback was given. And so it turns out, because this leader is so dedicated and committed to her team, she was really bummed out about it. And I said to her, I said, I totally understand why it would disappoint you because you do value, you know, being a good communicator and being a support system for your team are such important core values for you. So I see it, but don't, don't beat yourself up. It's not, you asked for feedback and clearly there's something that this person needs. And the way they're sharing that with you is more information would be good and communication is always key, right? So... That's really what it comes down to is you've got to be curious. Now, in this case, here's reading between the lines. Ready for this? So in reading between the lines, as I said in our last segment, I coached my leader to say, well, first acknowledge and validate the feedback. And then ask the person, what did they mean? Share with the context of the person. Say, listen, I, I really appreciated you giving this feedback. And I was reflecting on your comments about more information would be good and communication is key. And I know we typically don't have one-on-ones, so we typically have group meetings. So was your feedback based on being more, communicating more information in a group meeting or was it a request to have more interaction with me on a one-on-one. So we need to differentiate. We don't want to just assume it, it had to be the group question because that's the only interaction that's currently existing. We want to understand if there's a, a bigger message, a reading between the lines message regarding the feedback. So the leader I'm working with, very in a savvy way, made the point, she said, wow, Yeah, that would be huge because if this person was wanting more one-on-one time with me and I am not this person's direct manager, then what that person, the the read between the line message is, I'm not getting enough from my direct manager. So you can assume, right, assume the answer. Well, she must mean not I need to communicate more in group meetings. We can we can assume it's that as a fourth option. But once we assume we lose the ability to be curious, right? And then without being curious, we're unable to ask critical questions that could give us the insight by taking the time to read between the lines. So By not assuming it's the group issue, not only do we ask a couple of questions to learn what the root cause is, but if we ask a couple of savvy, insightful questions, then we might really uncover a bigger problem, which is she's not getting enough from her direct boss. So I just want you to see the chain of events that we go from a very generic more information would be good to communication is always key. And you look at that feedback and you say, all right, well, that's not such a big deal. I'm not going to worry about that. Choice number one is minimize it. doesn't seem like a big complaint, so move on. Choice number two is internalize it. Be hard on yourself. Choice number three is blame the other person. Well, no one else says this, so clearly they're the one with the problem. 
Choice number four is assume what the problem is and just go into fix-it mode, right, without truly asking the question to know if you're right, right? And choice number five is what we're talking about, which is be curious, read between the lines to know if there's a bigger issue going on than what's being uh, presented in the feedback. So, look, it's a process. It's really a process and to understand how to process feedback effectively, how to read between the lines and take advantage of understanding bigger messages. It's huge. Now, the rest of the show today, we're going we're gonna to give a few examples of constructive feedback. And one of the examples that was given in constructive feedback is more one-on-one coaching sessions. Now, what I typically see with leaders is it's very unfortunate that with many leaders, when they aren't great at prioritizing their time and when they are very reactive about going about their tasks and projects over the course of the day, the item that typically falls by the wayside most is one-on-one coaching and development. And even when that one-on-one coaching and development happens, it's usually, again, reactive. It's because the leader hasn't made enough time for the direct report in the first place, so they end up using it as a catch-up session. And the direct report is so grateful that they finally capture the attention of their boss that it becomes a fire drill to get every possible problem and challenge and update in because they don't know when the heck they're going to be able to meet with their boss again. Well, that's not coaching and development. That's not motivation and inspiration. That's problem solving. And don't get me wrong. There's value in problem solving. Not minimizing it. But problem solving is a fractional piece of your job as a leader and as a motivator and as a coach. So if that's where you're spending your time, that's not going to get it done solely. So when someone says more one-on-ones, here's what reading between the lines is there. You know, you have to discern between your role in a one-on-one and a team member's role in a one-on-one. And a lot of times I've heard leaders say, well, I stopped doing one-on-ones because they weren't really going anywhere and People didn't have a lot to talk about, and, well, whose fault is that? You know, if people aren't getting a lot out of one-on-ones, is the answer they're useless, or is the answer we need to talk about the intention and purpose that if we are going to spend time together, boy, we better make that good and valuable. And what's missing? If they're not valuable, what's missing? So let's not stop doing one-on-ones, you know, because the, the, the person doesn't seem prepared or seem like they're getting something. Let's revisit the approach we're taking to one-on-ones and the, and the outcomes we're expecting on one-on-ones. So that's a big piece. So when we come back from our final, for our final segment, we're going to get more into some of the constructive pieces, what to read between the lines and some constructive feedback, and we'll wrap up there. So 
We'll be back for our final segment. I'm Mark Altman. This is I Communicate. Is I Okay, welcome back to I Communicate for our final segment. We're talking about constructive feedback and how to process that feedback when you read it. And so more one-on-ones again. I mentioned this in the last segment, you know, what is, what are the ways you process feedback? What are the conclusions to draw from feedback? Right? This is essential because you can't be a good support system and coach for others if you're jumping to conclusions and defaulting to negative intent or a fixed mindset. So as far as one-on-ones go, if that's the feedback you're getting, some people may you may need to meet with weekly, some people you could meet with monthly, and some people you could meet with quarterly. But what about the people who say, I'm good. I don't need the one-on-one. I'm trekking along. Does that mean not to have a one-on-one? I don't think it does. To me, someone who says they don't need a one-on-one may not be taking the time to be self-aware of areas they could develop, core competencies that they're falling short, expectations that you have of them that they may not be aware of. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a reason for one-on-ones, and it shouldn't solely be the employee's decision. Now, the frequency should be a collaborative decision, but having them at all shouldn't be the employee's decision. So when you're having one-on-ones, understand what's the frequency, what's the goals, because the final thought on this one topic about one-on-ones is, you may say to yourself, more one-on-ones, I already meet with this person twice a month. Well, so what's the message? The message isn't necessarily that they want to start meeting with you four times per month. The message is that the two times per month aren't getting it done. So then it becomes a quantity versus a quality thing. Right? So reading between the lines, if you jump to conclusion, already meeting twice a month, now i got to meet with them four times? As opposed to, wait a second, they're not getting what they need. What is it? Maybe I can meet their needs. As opposed to, I don't have time to meet with them two more times during the month. As opposed to, God, this person is so high maintenance. Right? So see the default reactions? It's just easy. I have too much work to do. I have too many things going on. This person's high maintenance. Wait a minute. They may not want more. They may not actually want more one-on-ones. They may just want better one-on-ones. So this is huge with negative feedback, not jumping to conclusions, and again, reading between the lines. And that's why I picked that example. It's so powerful. Now here's one feedback about a leader I work with. Sometimes, this is the, the team member talking, sometimes she feels that this leader lacks the confidence to advocate or fight more on individual departmental issues. So what is that based on? That's my question. I'm not there. I don't know what the situations are, 
But when a team member makes the assessment that you may not be fighting hard enough or, or, or this person sees and this person's saying, not only do you not advocate or fight the way you could, they're saying two things if you read between the lines. One is you're not doing it. And two is I think it's because you lack confidence. So two pieces of feedback given there that are assertions, interpretations, not facts, right? And what do you do with that? Well, the first thing I would do with it is when I coach someone like this, I'm asking them, what do you think may have what do you think this person may have seen or observed about you that gave them the feeling that you lack confidence? Right? Good question, right? What was it that was observed that gave them this feeling or helped them get this opinion? And it's very telling at that point because if the leader, the leader's going to fear being judged and maybe start to defend, or they might say, if they're self-aware, you know what, I could see how they would say that. You know, there are some times in, in certain situations I tend to do blank. So that could be the reason, Right? That there really were, but again, if you are embarrassed or feel bad about yourself because now someone has pointed out to you that you give it away, that you don't seem confident at times, yeah, you you could be embarrassed or feel bad, or you could be excited that you just got valuable information that will help you grow and develop to be a better leader, to have more executive presence, to help get consensus and alignment, to help motivate and influence people so what's the interpretation now the second issue is you're not advocating enough and read between the lines here is this person we all have core values of when to fight how much to fight what to say how to stick up for people and support so when you say you're not advocating enough you're saying that you would do it differently the team member is saying, I would do it differently. I'm more assertive than you. And I think you need to push harder. Right? But that, but that's the problem with that logic, right? Is you may not have all the facts. You know, the team member who is making these assertions or interpretations that when they see you advocating, that maybe they think first time you get rebuffed, yeah, or I guess it's not going to happen. Maybe they've, they've been CC'd on an email and they saw how you responded and they would have done it differently, right? Maybe they've heard you present and make your case for the team and they would have done it differently. But either way, this is a core value issue doesn't mean you're not advocating enough it means it it means according to this person you're not advocating enough so one of the things i would look for here is i would want to discern between is this an is this the first time i'm ever hearing this feedback have other team members given me this feedback have peers at the director level also made that observation. Have I ever asked if they haven't felt comfortable? Have the C-suite executives ever shared that? Have I ever asked? But instead of internalizing it and feeling like I'm not advocating enough, 
it would make me curious. If it was the first time I heard it, I might ask some questions to other people I respect to see what their take is. If it's not the first time you heard it, I would seek, well, either way, I would seek examples for the team member to say, when you say I'm not advocating enough, what specifically do you mean? Is there an example where you've seen me handle a situation where you're suggesting I could have or should have done it differently? Now, keep in mind that as the boss, when you ask that question, your tone has to be completely soft and curious. Because if it sounds hostile or defensive or questioning, you're not going to create the psychological safety for the person to say that. But it's enormously important to understand what people see, what people hear, what they're comparing it to, to say you don't advocate enough. Because it is an expectation that they have that you're not doing because of the way they've done it or the way they've seen other people do it in your position. Right? So... That's going to do it for today. Um, it, it, it's it, the, the biggest thing, like I said, folks, is um, just understand whether it's getting positive feedback, whether it's getting ambiguous kind of neutral what, what, or unclear feedback, or whether it's getting constructive feedback. Read between the lines. Look. Slow down. Look to understand. Seek to understand what they're really trying to say beyond the peripheral message that's being communicated so thank you for joining us for another edition of i communicate if you want more information about mindset go contact mark altman at info at mindsetgo.com or you can certainly reach out at 978-793-1159 hope you have a wonderful rest of the day